This is the Talking Property Podcast, brought to you by Rewed.com, the home of WA Real Estate. Thank you for listening to Talking Property, the show in which we discuss all aspects of real estate. Now, here is your host, Harvey Deegan, together with our expert commentators, Rob Druitt and Rod Bryan. Welcome to Talking Property. My name is not Harvey Deegan. Harvey, unfortunately, is ill and this is Steve Collins filling in for him. But we do have Rob Druitt and Rod Ryan joining us as usual today. And we've got a really interesting subject today. We're talking to Dr. Carl Mallon, who is CEO of Climate Valuation. And what he is all about is he talks to individual people, ordinary people, about what risks they're taking or what safety measures they can take when either building a home or buying a home or what is the future of that home from a climate change point of view. So I'm really looking forward to that. We'll be back very shortly with Dr. Carl Mellon, the CEO of Climate Valuation. Well, Rob and Rod, this is a first for us. We're going to discuss climate change and we have a climate change expert, Dr. Carl Mallon, who is the CEO of Climate Valuation. Now, this is a very interesting organisation, but we'll get Dr. Carl to chat to us about it because, Carl, welcome to Talking Property. Your business specialises in climate change risks to infrastructure. So can you tell us all about how did you form your company? Because climate change is certainly becoming more important in our society. And what was the impetus for you to start climate evaluation? Thanks for having me on your show. So the impetus was actually that we realised that we were getting commissioned to do work for governments, big organisations like utilities, increasingly doing some work for banks, and that we realised that it was, you know, somewhat unfair that these big organisations that had big bucks could commission us to do, you know, tens of thousands of dollars of very tricky analysis work, but the person on the street, so to speak, who's buying a house was acting with no knowledge of the impacts of extreme weather and climate change risks to what they were buying. And of course, you know, for most people, that's the biggest investment they'll ever make. So to be walking into that investment basically blind while other people knew exactly what was going on seemed a big disparity. And so we thought we'd do something about it and try and create a service that essentially home buyers and homeowners could access at an affordable price. Yes, because I bet every insurance company in the world has worked out what climate change is going to cost them. And so it's important really for their customers to know, uh, depending on where they live or what sort of house they have. How will climate change not only affect the value of their house, but also will impact on their insurance premiums as well, I guess? You know, a lot of people, you just don't think about it. I guess when you're buying a washing machine or something, these days you can find out how much energy it's going to use, you know? So you, you think, oh, well, hang on, how much energy, how much water, I'm going to fold that into my decision alongside the price tag. But now when you buy a house, you're primarily thinking you get your building inspection, you get your pest inspection, you do all your checks and then you kind of go, because you're always assuming that the insurance is just going to be a normal price, you know, 
$1,000 or $2,000 a year and you're covered for everything. I've had some very distressed people on the phone who have had bills for $20,000, $30,000 a year, some who can't even get an insurance at any price. And so obviously those are just you know, la-la numbers. No one can afford those. So, of course, you don't want to be walking into that and then finding out that that's the cost of insurance after you bought the house. But it does happen. And so, you know, we're trying to intercept that and alert folks, which is always check the situation before you buy the house. And, of course, you know, most insurance companies are not going to say, well, this is the premium now, but in 10 years it's going to be this or in 20 years it's going to be that. (laughs) Whereas we're trying to help people kind of go, well, it might be affordable today, but, you know, with sea level rise or hotter bushfire seasons, the insurance is probably going to go to this. So it's tricky space, but um, it needs to be done. Dr. Carr, it's Rob Druid here. And the, the ramifications with climate change for property, residential property as well as commercial, obviously, are amazingly large, obviously, and it's more and more so been seen in in recent years. I mean, I'm just thinking of a few examples. I know up in the Pilbara area of Western Australia, a lot of the strata companies up there are finding it very difficult, particularly older buildings, to get insurance now. And some of them almost cannot get insurance or at such prohibitive prices, it's not making it viable to have it as an investment property because the insurance has gone up so much. That's obviously in a cyclone area. Then you've got other areas I know on the East Coast, Lake Macquarie. I know that the local shire there years ago made some mandates in relation to the area there with the low-lying water table and and so on. The ramifications are huge, aren't they? Now, you've raised some really interesting issues and areas there, so let's unpack those a little bit. We know that the cyclone areas in both WA and Queensland have been struggling with insurance. Now, the insurance industry has said, well, we've not really caught up. We've been probably underpricing this for a while. Now, from a technical point of view, what our systems are designed to do is check for things like build year. Now, what we know is that there were a couple of big steps that happened. After Cyclone Tracy, Mm. Cyclone Tracy destroyed Darwin Mm. because basically what was happening is they were building houses up there which were to some extent acclimatised for temperature and stuff, but they were just in no way designed for for a cyclone. So everything was destroyed. Now, if you remember the Calbarri Mm. event that just happened very very recently, Mm. same thing. You've got a bunch of buildings where a cyclone that wasn't meant to get that far south, yeah, it was more of a... Correct. Mm. ...got down, snuck over the border, so to speak, into the different wind zone. Yep. None of the houses were designed for it. Now, unfortunately, with climate change, as sea surface temperatures increase, the area on the ocean that can generate a cyclone increases, it spreads poleward, which means those cyclones can get in further south. And so the the real worry we've got, Calbarri was an example, but you think about East Coast Australia, how much Ooh, density so much of population, population is there? Mm. Exactly, you know, and if that's happening over there, the insurance companies are very worried. And so these are some of the things where we need to be getting in now to start to upgrade the building standards so that we can essentially increment our way towards resilience. We know how to do it. We know how to build a cyclone-proof house. Unfortunately, we're sort of not we're still not doing it as far south as we need to. And then the issue of obviously rising water levels, it's only a very small amount which makes a huge difference, doesn't it, in some of these low-lying areas? Well, we've got a couple of different effects. In WA, we've got the problem of erosion Mm. and we've got the problem of inundation. So places like Mandurah Mm. have got a lot of 
low-lying areas, but also they say for every metre you come up, you're going to erode 100 metres back. And so there's a couple of issues there. What we see is everywhere's got its problems. South Australia's got some very fancy suburbs near Adelaide, which are low-lying. Victoria's got the sort of Gippsland area, which has got a lot of problems. New South Wales has got places like the Illawarra, around Newcastle, the Central Coast, and then you go into Queensland, and, of course, you've got all the Gold Coast and Sunshine Coast. So, you know, in Australia, we've got a lot of places which are highly exposed. Now... What we've been doing is sensibly, we don't build right at the foreshore. We build a couple of metres up. You know, mm. we, we build a little bit back. But we're using up that freeboard, so to speak. We're using up that buffer zone at the moment. That's why even though sea levels are going up, we're not seeing huge amounts of coastal damage. But there comes a point where we've used up that buffer and then it'll really kick in. Now, we've actually got, we've probably used up 20 years of buffer We've got an about another 20 years of buffer, and then we'll really see it kick in then. That's when we'll start to see a lot of suburbs, a lot of homes become uninsurable, and some suburbs become unviable. We're speaking to Dr. Carl Mallon, CEO of Climate Valuation. Carl, thank you very much. We are just going to take a short break, and we will be back with you in just a minute or two. Thank you. Find your next home in WA the easy way with the Rewa.com app. Keep the WA property market in the palm of your hand. Download the Rewa.com app today from the App Store or Google Play. With the Rewa.com app, you can find your next home with all the latest properties right at your fingertips. Download the Rewa.com app today. The latest properties in WA are there, right at your fingertips. So find the local agent, the right local agent for you by using the Rewire.com app to search and compare real estate agents in WA. We here at Talking Property are very, very proud that Rewire.com are our major supporters. We're back with Dr. Carl Mullen, who is the CEO of Climate Valuation. Carl, you've been talking about how climate change is affecting prices and affecting insurances and how it leads to a number of houses and dwellings being in more danger than they used to be. What is the response from the banks and the value of houses these days? Does that continuously change? And if you've got a large mortgage on the property, how would that be if obviously you've got an effect on the valuation of the property because of a climate change yeah. effect? All right. So at the moment, we our sister company is called XDI which stands for the Cross-Dependency Initiative, and they do a lot of work around the world, actually, in the finance sector. So they work for some of the biggest banks in the world, and they look at mortgages in the UK, Canada, Hong Kong, Australia, Singapore, for these big banks. On the one hand, they're just saying, well, we've got to report how big our climate change risks are. You could think of it as just a tick and flick exercise. But what's happening is they're starting to say, well, hang on, some of these properties are going to get hit by events and they're going to default. Mm. You know, they're going to get hit by an event. They won't be able to pay the mortgage. They're going to hand back the keys and we won't get our money. And then we'll have to sell them at a fire sale price. Now, the other thing they're starting to think about was, well, hang on, if you can't get insurance on this, we don't want to give them a mortgage. Mm. Yes, exactly. 
we might have properties where we've got someone who would normally exit, but they won't be able to sell it because no one, none of the buyers can get a mortgage either. So you're seeing this, that the lights go on in these lenders who are kind of going, hang on, even though we might say, well, this is going to happen gradually, they're going to go, no, no, we're going to want to get out of this pretty quickly. Yeah, because mortgages are you know, 25, 30 years, aren't they? Correct. And they don't want to be stuck with a mortgage where in five years' time, the borrower can't get insurance for the rest of the period. Mm. Because then, then they're basically waiting every year, wondering whether they're going to get through the season without a fire or a flood or a storm event. Mm. So, so the banks, let's put it this way, and I can't name names, but <laughs> I would say there's sort of there's three. There's only really there's, four big ones. <laughs> well, well, no, no. It, it, when I'm speaking here, I, I am speaking, we've got clients Worldwide. in a lot of clients in Europe yeah. and literally we do. We've got clients in Hong Kong and mm. and, and so on. So even well, though- Well, climate change is a worldwide phenomenon, isn't it? Horror, it's horror. not just so, affecting so, us in Australia. So, so I'm off the hook there. You can't pin me down. Yep. Um, so I'll speak generally. There are some banks- where I reckon they're just head in the sand, they're pretending this isn't going on, and it's business as usual, pump out the mortgages. There are some banks which are being very risk-averse, and they are saying anything in a flood zone, we're not going to issue a mortgage on. And they're not necessarily making a big deal about it. They're doing it a bit discreetly, but they might say, oh, sorry, we're not issuing mortgages in that area at the moment, and someone wanders off. They are not telling them why, because they're trying to be discreet, but they are turning them down. There are progressive banks, including some in Australia, who are considering what they can do for their customers in order if they're in a pickle. So what they're trying to do is identify those properties, socialize the idea that climate change is an issue with people who might never have thought about that, and then say, hey, we would be a lot more comfortable. We're not going to turn you away, turf you out, but we would be more comfortable if you made a few changes to your property. Now, that could be we want you to upgrade for cyclone or we want you to rip out that fence and put a flood wall around the property or we want you to... Cost a bit, wouldn't it? And fire, well, fire now, zone now, areas in Australia would be a big issue or, or are and will continue to be, won't they? Correct, yeah, no, absolutely. Now, there are things you can do because, of course, we've got BAL ratings now, bushfire attack level ratings, which have specific stuff that you can do. Now, some of that's great for a new build, but there are some retro things you can do. Imagine you've got a house in a flood zone, and one thing you can do is you could literally, and I've seen them, you, you build a small brick wall, like like a metre or something like that, around the house, and then... Great wall of China. <laughs> that's right, that's right. I think I know that property. It's in Moat Street. <laughs> <laughs> they usually the ones that say Riverview. Riverview, <laughs> yeah, there you go. Dr. Carl, it's Rod Ryan, mate. Just quickly, I've been sort of selling houses for a long period of time. When you talk to someone like yourself, it just sort of makes you look back a little bit. And I can remember going back in selling properties in Melbourne back in 1970 and they had, it was one street called Brandon Park Drive. I'll probably upset somebody here, but anyway. And there was these particular spec builders, as we used to call them in those days, that just would go and build streets and streets of houses and they're all pretty much the same and they just plonked them on the blocks one after the other. There was no such thing as energy efficiency or which way the property faced, north facing, south facing or whatever. It was more a case of whether we put the strips in for the driveway or where the clothesline was going to go. So it's just amazing now to go 50 years on and we've got all this energy efficiency, you know, the smart way people are building and not only that, but now we've got to the stage of even 
given you know people being a bit nervous I'd imagine on some of these canal blocks up in the Gold Coast because we've now got you talking about insurance situations to do with climate change it's really quite amazing how much things have moved in the last 50 years. This is the bit that I find a bit inspiring is the property sector does have some really cutting edge stuff going on and once you incentivize developers and that's what I hope like climate valuation can do if someone gets a good report we think that house should be worth more, you know, straight up and down, yeah. you know, or you can be in a street that says Riverview, but they might have designed it. So it's got a garage underneath the living areas are on the first and second floor. And literally a flood can come through. You get out the brush, sweep it out, no damage whatsoever. You know, there are houses that you can build in a flood zone mm. and they'll be fine. That's completely hundred percent insurable at low cost. Mm. And I would say that that house is worth a premium to buyers. And hopefully we get a market that is valuing climate change resilience. Are we moving towards a system of like a rating system for effective climate change and resilience to climate change for properties? Look, we do that at the moment, but obviously it's unofficial. I mean, it's our rating. Mm. We give an A if we say, look, there's nothing problematic about this building. And just to give you an idea, if we have the proper data on the building, 90% buildings are A. B says, look, you might pay a little bit extra for your insurance, but probably affordable. And C is alarm bell. Mm. We think insurers will start to walk away from this. C for crap, is it? Sorry. The, the, uh, yeah, we won't worry about the alphabet. I don't know what it is. (laughs) Fascinating. I mean, the thing is that hopefully it makes it nice and easy for people Mm. to understand. But, you know, what trying to get the message over is like, look, the banks have got this information. Crying out loud, at least arm yourself with the equivalent information. Dr. Carl, thanks very much for speaking to us. A lot of climate sceptics out there, unfortunately, they don't include banks or insurance companies, do they? Now, I know that uh, climatevaluation.com, it's there to democratise climate risk information for average people. How do those people who are contemplating either insuring or buying a house or moving to a new area, how do they contact you to find out if they are making the right decision or not? Very simple. Look, we've got a free version that just does a quick check to say where you don't put it, you just basically type in the address and not much more. Um, and that will give them a quick rating. Normally, if there's an A or a B in there, they, you know, they might be okay. And it will tell you where it's at the moment, where it might be at the end of the mortgage and where it might be at the end of end of the century, at the end of the building life. There are a couple of paid versions. One is a bit more lined up for home buyers where they can put some more information about the building. And you raised it. You said, well, what about the age? Older buildings don't cope with cyclones. Or what about the floor height? Is water going to go underneath or through the living room? So it captures some extra information and then gives a more accurate analysis. And then there's a more expensive one really for home buyers or home sellers who are quite serious, which is a couple hundred bucks, equivalent to a pest survey type thing. And that's very detailed. So we've tried to make it at a point where it's accessible and even free so that we can just get people essentially keeps me awake at night when I get stories of people I just got one the other day, single mum, washed out of her house by a flood. She couldn't pl- cover the, the flood cost on the insurance, so she's got no insurance. The house is unlivable. 
She's paying a mortgage and she's a single mum with two kids. That, as a society, we should all say that's not acceptable yep. and we should all work together to try and stop that happening. Dr. Carl Mellon, CEO of Climate Evaluation. I've got the feeling that this may not be the last time we chat to you. It's been yes. fascinating information. Thank you very much for joining us on Talking Property. Thanks, Dr. Carl. Thanks, Carl. Thanks, Bob. Great chat, guys. Well, Rob and Rod, that was a most illuminating conversation, I thought. <laughs> Quite know, fascinating, isn't it? Uh, uh, yes, it's it's obvious that the banks and the insurance companies, mm, they're way ahead of the ordinary person right, they, mm. when it comes to climate change. Like we're saying, they're not climate sceptics. Oh, they no, know not at all. this impact. Yes, it is. But mm. there's so much of what Carl said, you really don't think about. You don't think about, yeah. well, what's it going to be like 20 years in the future? And my mortgage is 25 yeah. years. Mm. If you're living right near the ocean, well, is that going to have a detrimental effect on my house? If you're living up in the hills, well, what about what's going to happen if we get another fire you've through there? you got fire there? zones. Yep. Uh, you've got low-lying water levels, yep. which obviously are going to rise. Yep. And then you've got cyclone areas. Yep. And then it's just the whole thing with the climate being, I suppose it's just ramped up, it seems. Seems to be, doesn't it, yeah. Rod? Like we're getting more storms yeah. and stronger storms. And, of course, that's one of the reasons why we've had our hikes in insurance recently. And more unpredictable, like, as he said, the... the, the and cy- in different areas, too, yeah, which is quite in different areas. The cyclones are going further south than they normally do, etc. It was also interesting when he said we've used up 20 years of a buffer in yes. some respects of the free borders, he called it. Yep. So the next 20 years, if we were having this conversation in 20 years' time, it'll be interesting to assess things then. I think it might be a little bit different than what it is at the moment, but you can't ignore it. And obviously, banks and insurance companies, they've got to look at... Well, they just look at the bottom line, so mm. they don't ignore it, do they? No, they're right onto it. So, yeah, something we need to add to but it. The thing I thought was really interesting about climate valuation is it's geared at ordinary people. You can go to them and you can sort of see what danger is my house in or will the value change or how hard or easy will it be to insure the place. But it's going, to, it's going to make any prospective purchaser think about these things. Just the same as like, to be honest, you know, 50 years ago when I bought my first house, I didn't sort of stop and think about which way the house was facing and in respect of the you know, north, you know, north, south or whatever. So now people are going to be more and more wised up with all of these sorts of things. So yeah, he's ahead of his time. He certainly is. Well, Rob and Rod, thank you very much. That's another episode of Talking Property. We'll be back again with another brand new one. Thank you very much for listening to us. It's been a really interesting episode, this one. Cheers for now. Talking Property can be heard on a number of podcasting platforms, including Podbean, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Anchor, and many more. Whatever podcast platform you prefer to ensure that you are notified of new episodes of Talking Property, just press the subscribe button. Thank you for listening to this podcast of Talking Property with Harvey Deegan, Rob Jewett and Rod Ryan.